Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Okay, Marie, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. And uh, so welcome to the Living Your Dash podcast, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Our special guest today is uh, my good friend, Walter Nussbaum. Walter, how long have we known each other? Uh, Gosh, that's a great question. It's been a decade or more, maybe? Yeah. Over a decade. And you know what? I sent out a little note to my folks just to tell them, you got to come. And I told them that this actually started between you is that right? You That's and Rick right. That's on right. an airplane. I met Rick in 2008 Wow! on a flight from Dallas to Roswell. <laughs> and it was 2008, maybe 2009 latest. Yeah. But it's been 13, 14 years. And so I, you and I connected not long after that because right. he had become speak to the staff. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and I know you had you had a great relationship with Lendl. Maybe Lendl be listening. So, Lendl, we're both saying hi to you. Hey, Lendl. Yeah. Yes, we miss, we miss Lendl. He was great. Love Lendl. Uh, did it all, as I'm trying to remember the legend here, okay, did, was it you that was reading a book or was it Rick that was reading a book? Rick was reading a book. Okay. Yes. And, then, and, and he was, re- I, I wish I knew what the book was on, but Rick was actually, I think it was Nehemiah. I think he was studying Nehemiah. Wow. Which later became I think living your dash. That's right. That's right. Oh my goodness! Yeah, All things have come full circle, full circle. today. That's this it. is this is really amazing. You know, uh, Walter, here at at the Living Your Dash podcast, we really want to help people to connect the dots of discipleship. Mm-hmm. And I and I know that Sunday's message and people, uh, you need to go and stop the podcast now. Just put on pause and then go watch the message if you haven't done that, or come back now. I guess we're here. And then I want you to, then you can listen to the rest of this conversation. But one of the, the necessary things about our relationship with Jesus, if we're going to live a life of, uh, of joy, is this area of repentance. Yeah. And so tell us what repentance is and isn't. What yeah. is that? Yeah. Okay. So super question. Uh, whole books have been written on this subject. But mm. to make it very simple... I think we all know, or many of us have heard, repentance simply means to turn back around and go the other direction. Uh So it's when you recognize that you're going in a direction that's moving away from the way God wants uh, you to live your life, uh, moving away from the pursuit of Him towards the pursuit of self. And so you don't just repent over massive moral failures. Uh, If we were really going to be honest, a lot of times our hearts can move away from the Lord at any given moment. Yeah. It's like the prodigal son story, right? I mean, it says he went to the distant country. Yes. So it's a long journey that he left the father. But we all go to the distant country for minutes at a time sometimes. Mm. You can go to the distant country on your laptop. Yep. You can go to the distant country just on a drive from here to there and just let your mind go someplace that it shouldn't go. And you are in the distant country, and it requires repentance. This yeah. idea of I'm going to turn around and go back to my father, right? And he mm-hmm. welcomes us with open arms and treats us as sons and daughters. And that's really what it means. It's simply the daily discipline of going back to the father. So it's not just feeling bad about something. I think sometimes people think that that's what repentance is. It's feeling bad, feeling guilty about something. But right. It's more than that. That's right. It's not It's not less than remorse. Uh-huh. We should feel remorse. Yeah. But it's more than remorse. Wow. It's a sense of, 
Uh, I want to be what God wants me to be. I've grieved the Holy Spirit. I've grieved God, and my life is not what it's meant to be. And it's a turning around as a result of that. And you were the, the message was was on the on on Peter's uh, the restoration the restoration after of Peter the resurrection. That's right. And I find it interesting that 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 Jesus took Peter back. He, he specifically took him back, and uh, and 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 he. He centered in on the things specifically, and boy, I, I know you, we don't want to steal too much from the message, but yeah. just uh, pinpointing the areas of Peter, do you love me? That's right. Do you love me? That is, that really is at the heart of what Jesus wants. It's like the rich young ruler coming to Jesus. What must I do? Right? He was he was a winner in life. This is a guy who won at everything he did. He was rich. He was young and he was a ruler. Everything an American wants today. Mm. And he goes to Jesus and he says, Hey, Jesus, I'm, I've won so much in this world. I want to start winning in the next. What do I need to do hmm. to gain eternal life? Yeah. And Jesus throws him a curveball. And he says, I want you just to love me. And the way that you can show that is follow the two, command, the, the two greatest commandments. Yeah. And if you really have, go sell everything. Now, obviously, that's not Jesus' commandment to all of us to go sell everything you have, but he knew this man's heart, that his, his things had him, yeah, and that he did not have truly the desire to only love Jesus. Yeah. So I love, Sean, one of the things I love is I love the picture of Jesus at the Last Supper. I think this is the picture of the Christian life and discipleship. And there's four words in the Last Supper, in the communion supper with Jesus and the disciples. Remember, it says, Jesus took the bread. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense where our spiritual journey is the recognition that God has taken us. He's chosen us, mm. right? That, that God wants you and me, and he wants all of us. And then, he, and then he holds the bread up, remember, and he blesses it. And there's a sense where we have to really embrace the blessing, the blessing of God in our life, that in, in us, he is pleased, and that he, he, not, he doesn't just love us, but as Brennan Manning said, he likes us. Mm, mm-hmm. He wants friendship with us. He wants communion with us. He wants relation. So there's a sense where I recognize I'm taken by God. I'm blessed by God. But it's the third one now that really is the juncture of the spiritual life that matters. And he takes the bread after he blesses it. And what does he do? He breaks it. Hmm. And once the bread is broken, now it's ready to be given. Mm. And then he gives it. And those are the four, really the main words, I think, that describe the spiritual life and the discipleship process. And a lot of times believers want to kind of go around the broken part. Mm. I like the I like the, the the taken part, the blessed part, and I don't mind the giving part, but that broken part is the part that's the real challenge. Yeah. And that oftentimes requires a real sense of contrition and repentance in order for that restoration to occur. You know, I, I wonder, something that I've just loved about not only Manning, but, but one of my favorite authors is Dallas Willard. And, mm. and one of the things that I, that, that's important for our discipleship uh, as we follow Jesus uh, is I think that, that I wonder some people may get stuck on the fact that, on the, that he, he does want to take us. Um, I think that a lot of us, I was just talking to someone not this long ago, just a couple days ago, where because of their religious background, it was all about an earning. I, I feel like I have to do this for God or that for God in order for me to be acceptable to him. And, and it, I think that sometimes it, it takes a while as we watch Jesus in the scriptures, as we yeah. 
we sense his presence in our daily lives to know I really am chosen by God. I, he does want me to have, he wants to have fellowship with me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not about perfection. You know, it's about contrition and a heart that really desires God. I love how, um, you know, when you look at Peter's life, and he goes through the devastation of the three denials, the mm. recognition. He weeps bitterly. The Lord then restores him, tend my sheep, feed my lamb, right? Th- th- that whole three-part thing where he restores Peter. It's interesting at the end, you see, it's not like Peter has become now this perfect person. Mm-hmm. He's still Peter. Yeah. And you see that when Jesus looks at Peter and actually tells Peter, Peter, the day is going to be coming that you will die. Arms stretched out, you will die. Remember what Peter says? Peter looks at John and goes, what about him? That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, there was, still a lot, there was still a lot of Peter in him. Mm-hmm. And he was still concerned about himself. And what I love about restoration and repentance is it isn't that I can't struggle still and that there's still not a lot of me left. It's Dallas Willard's renovation of the heart. Yeah. It's a mm-hmm. renovation a plan that goes on for the rest of our days until the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1.6. Wow, wow. Yeah, and I was thinking about just that aspect of, of, we, of relearning. Of, of, I, for me, repentance is a, is a lot about we have been impressed mm. by the, the world's mechanism, the world's values. Uh, we, we have received its instruction set on how we're to react to stress, how we're to react to, uh, to pleasure, how we're to react to, uh, really, we're, we're uh, what was it, Alan Hirsch, who talked a lot about, we've all been carefully discipled our whole lives, mostly by a worldly um, desire set um, uh, called consumerism. Yes, and and I think in particular in the United States or in in the Western world, we, this is something we have to fight against. That it has to be a part of what pleases me. And so suddenly, when we really do come to this great realization, oh, the omnipotent one desires me. That can't possibly be. I don't bring anything to the mm, table. Yeah. And then we have to really understand what what is love. What really is love? Right. I think that is so well said, Sean. Just the way you kind of put all those thoughts together it reminds me of this book that was very impactful. Uh, James K.A. Smith wrote. He wrote a book called You Are What You Love. Mm. And he really makes the point that discipleship is less about learning and believing and more about hungering and thirsting. Wow. And so that I know that I'm discipling somebody when I know that their hunger and thirst as a result of their time with me has grown. Whether or not they've learned Romans better, whether or not they've learned church history better, whether or not they've learned the Bible from beginning to end. Hopefully those are things that are part of the process of learning and hungering and grow. But if you don't hunger and thirst more at the end of our time together than you did at the beginning, then all I was to you was a teacher. I wasn't a discipler. So discipleship really is about living one's life in an authentic way such that this person desires to pursue more of God because of the way that uh, I've spent my time with this person. So if we're looking at discipleship that way, Walter, and, and I begin to think, what if after I go to church, and what if after I am reading my Bible and praying, I mean, those are all things that we consider discipleship, right? But what, what if I'm not, what if my desiring 
is not changed. Mm. What, what, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, because um, thousands of people, I mean, millions of people do that every day. Every single day. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I think we have to be careful not to look at it in a snapshot because as human beings, our hearts are fickle, our yeah. hearts are deceitful. But in the aggregate of time, if I find that through the process of maybe not every Sunday, uh, my heart isn't completely stirred and moved, that does not mean that the deposit of going to church, hearing God's word, sitting under his, uh, the, the teaching of God's word, and all these things does not over time have a slow influence. It's even imperceptible to me. Mm. So in the aggregate, there has to be a trending. There has to be a trajectory of some sort where my desires and my affections are growing, in fact. So I don't ever want to look at any one day or one week or one snapshot and go, well, I don't really feel like my heart's growing closer to God. Therefore, this isn't really helping me any. That may not be true at all. There may be such small deposits that you don't see the benefits really until the long run. And that's why the Christian life is a journey and not simply a sprint to the next thing that, you know, the, to the next uh, feeling or emotion or experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was I, I was actually thinking more about that. What was that, that, that Smith quote about? It should be about hungering. And thirsting. And thirsting. And I, and I think back to our own Lord's instructions about what, who, who are the ones that are blessed? those who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And so uh, for me, I'm thinking, and I guess I have to be careful about my own guilt uh, uh, impressions on something, right? Me projecting something. But but I do, I I try to pay attention, at least for myself. Mm. What am I hungering and thirsting and why? And if if I'm going to the wellspring of new life, Mm. should should that not be enough to slake my thirst? Yeah. If I'm going to the bread of life, should that not be filling to me so that there's 12 baskets left over? Yeah, ideally, yes. I mean, that's the goal, right? That's what we're pursuing. I think also that the word righteousness today, we we don't appreciate what that word really reflects and means. We can mm. take the word, you know, hunger and thirst for righteousness as kind of this moralism, uh-huh. this legalism that now I'm doing right and I'm not doing wrong. Yeah. I'm turning away from bad things. I'm, I'm moving towards, quote, good things. That's not what the concept means whatsoever. Mm. Righteousness is the idea of wholeness. Yeah. That what I'm really hungering and thirsting for is for God to make me the man that I'm meant to be, the person, the man, the woman I'm meant to be, that God's designed me to be. And there's a wholeness where mind, emotion, will, all of these things come together in alignment and congruity with who God is. Yeah. Right? Now that's where my life comes alive. Yeah. As opposed to just such a superficial understanding of righteousness yeah. about do this and don't do that. And you should hunger for that. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because Willard, he, he had a fascinating take on that in um, uh, The Spirit of Disciplines. Right? And, and he talked about how really, if you're going to look at the Beatitudes, it, it's... We oftentimes think, well, I got to live my life like that. And he's, he was the first one that, that said, Jesus is not making any command here. He's just making statements, statements that say, hmm. yeah, none of y'all, <laughs> none of y'all are reaching this. But Walter, wow, our time is up. Thank you so much. How, that went way too fast. I know. I, world. I can keep talking. Hey, by the way, I want to give a plug. You and Stacy, that's your wife, right? Yes, yes. And so uh, you, you had this great podcast the other day about books that you shared. And yeah. uh, I want to encourage everybody, go to the Nussbaum Group. Uh, is it? If you t- if you t- uh, the podcast is called Pursuing Excellence. Okay. 
And if you just type in Walter Nussbaum on YouTube Pursuing Excellence, you'll see the channel. Fantastic. Yeah. You know what? I will include a link in the description. Oh, good. All right, so that they can easily find it. And uh, Walter, thank you so much. Thanks for, for letting time. me talk about living your dash with you today. Amen. Yeah. Well, Rick, we just had a great conversation with uh, Walter Nussbaum about the nature of repentance and restoration. Can you fill the, the folks in? You know, the two words sound a lot alike, but actually they're different, aren't they? They really are. Uh, when you look at the word repentance, the biblical word repentance, metanoia, is a Greek word. It, it means a, a change in thinking that leads to a change in direction. Mm. It's not just a change in direction. But it starts uh, with your brain. It starts with a decision that you make. I'm going in the wrong direction. So what? But it doesn't just stay in the brain, mm. you know. Because some people say, "Yeah, I'm going in the wrong direction," and I think I'll continue to go in the wrong direction. Yeah, that's not metanoia. Mm. Uh, true biblical repentance says, "I'm going in the wrong direction. I need to make a change in my life." And so. It's a change in thinking that leads to a change in direction. That's repentance. Now, mm -hmm. restoration is a, a totally different idea. It's Think about, you know, we talk about restoring an, an, an piece of antique furniture. Uh -huh. You're taking something that once was beautiful and together, mm -hmm. and you are restoring it back to its original beauty. Well, restoration has to do with restoring what was broken, the relationship with God. It's reconnecting with God. What sin has has uh, divided, restoration brings back together and restores. Hmm. Are, are both important in the life of a disciple? As, as I, I mean, I, I think I understand how repentance is absolutely necessary. I can't be, I can't get saved. I can't become a Christian without repentance. I mean, is restoration an automatic thing that happens in my life? No, and I think many Christians uh, don't understand this, Sean. They, they feel like, okay, yeah, I've, I've repented of my sins, I've turned back to God, but they've never truly accepted forgiveness in their life, that God actually has forgiven them of their past. Hmm. And if all you do is turn and go back toward God, that that's a wonderful first step. But yeah. You have to accept the offer of forgiveness. God said, I want you to return to me and, and reconnect with me. You know, the biblical word there is reconciliation. Let's mm. reconnect. Let's reconcile our relationship. Right. Some people feel so bad about their passion, they can't get over that hump of thinking, how could God ever accept somebody like me? Yeah. Or, okay, yeah, God forgives me, but God could never use me. Yeah. And they, the, the key is a full restoration of that relationship. The past is gone. You're a new creation, Paul says. I, I, and by the way, folks, if you haven't listened to the message, I think oh, I've mentioned powerful it message, earlier. Powerful message from Walter. You've got to go to roswellgrace.com forward slash watch, and uh, you need to check that out. But as I, he related the story, of course, of, of Peter, Peter who... Uh, who, who, who Oh my goodness! Always kept on messing up. Always open up and is flapping his gums. And uh, it was that that it, it was this, this untrained mouth uh, that had gotten away and forced him to to become. And and I thought it was very interesting. Walter pointed out that uh, 
this, this act that Peter did was mentioned in all four Gospels of denying Jesus in his life. And there's only one way that, that could, the story with all the detail could be made known. Peter had to tell it. Right. So Peter told this story on himself. Yeah. What an act of humility. Yeah. And it really makes sense because I don't want to get ahead of the story here, but <laughs> go, encourage people, guys, go, go read First and Second Peter and yeah. see how often Peter talks about humility. Yeah. It took him a long time, but he learned. Yeah. He learned from that bold, I will never deny you. Yeah. All the way to God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I love that it was later on in Acts that, uh, I mean, we, we never had a mega church until. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Until, until Peter. Yeah. But he had to go through that restoration process. You know, Rick, to you, what are the most important things to know when, when we've sinned? And we want to make amends with God. What, what are the important steps in our life? First of all, we need to watch out for the obstacles of repentance and restoration. Hmm. And they're so obvious, Sean, because they are just a common thread in all of human nature. The, the obstacles are, are denial. You know, where you just deny that, oh, I don't have a problem. Everybody else has a problem, yeah. but I don't have a problem. A blame. You know, well, if my parents had raised me right, I wouldn't have this addiction problem. Huh. Well, rationalization, we like to rationalize, we like to justify. Oh, we love to compare. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not perfect, but I'm not as bad as Sean Lee. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> at least I'm not Hitler. Yeah, right? at least I'm not Hitler. <laughs> and and another one, too, that I've seen is, you know, whenever we, whenever we sin, if we really don't want to come clean and confess it, what we like to do is we, we'll gossip to somebody else to get them on our side. Mm. And, and again, we'll say, well, you know, uh, you know I, I know I lost my temper with Sean, but, you know, he, he deserved it, didn't he? You know, mm. I, bet he's, I bet he's been that way with you, hadn't he? Let me tell you what Sean did. Uh. We, love to, we love to build a team of yeah. support to support our side rather than just coming clean and saying, you know what I did? It was wrong. Yeah, it was, it was my fault. Yeah. 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 yeah, and just admitting that. So I think step one, watch out for the obstacles. But the second is we have to embrace the path to restoration. Hmm. You will never get to restoration unless you humble yourself. You've got to, you have to, it takes great humility to say, I was wrong. Hmm. I am sorry. Those are hard words to say. Yeah. So humility, great courage to come clean. And you know, if people really want to see a living example of this, Sean, a great way for people to see it is the contrast in the Old Testament between King Saul and King David. Mm. You know, in many ways, David's sin from a human perspective might have been, I would say, were more vile I mean, the man committed adultery yeah. with his next door neighbor mm-hmm. and then had the guy murdered. Yeah. I mean, and, and that was just one thing. You know, David had other sins in his life. What was the big difference between David and Saul? Saul loved to rationalize, justify, and blame others for his sin. Yeah. David, when he was confronted, he just had an amazing way of saying, I am the man I have sinned. Yeah. And when you read the Psalms, have you ever noticed when you read the Psalms, how many Psalms of Saul are included in the Psalms? Oh, I can't think of one. 
None. Wow. I wonder why. Yeah. Because he never wrote any. Yeah. You see, yeah. you have to be, you have to have the <clears throat> humility and courage to admit you're wrong before you can read a psalm that God would include in Scripture for all of history. Yeah. David's psalms fill the psalm, the book of Psalms. Yeah. Not Saul. He he just wouldn't come clean. He wouldn't admit he was a sinner. That's amazing. Yeah. There's the contrast. Any other steps that that, that are involved in that? That. Well, I, I I would just say you know that you know talked about humility, but I want to emphasize again the courage. Mm. Uh, sometimes we think I don't want to admit that I that I've sinned because it'll it will show my weakness. Uh-huh. It's the exact opposite. When we admit our sin, yeah. that's when we are strong. Yeah, and that's you know. The Apostle Paul talks about, when I am weak, then I am strong. Yeah. One of the great ways of demonstrating your weakness is to say, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Yeah. And God says, great strength, great courage to make that step. You know, I, I think that the, that both humility and honesty both start with H. And uh, there is that aspect of, because uh, you were just talking a lot about confession. And I think that there there is something very... It's healing. It is there is a catharsis that happens with confession when I acknowledge, yeah, I, that's on me. That's completely one hundred percent my fault. I'm the one responsible. When we say that to another human being, I mean, we all, I guess, we all just want to let it between God and ourselves. This way, nobody knows. Sure. And what that hints to me, at least for my life, is I control the narrative. I control how how I'm not going to admit I'm you know perfect, but I'm not gonna. I'm certainly not gonna admit that I'm I'm completely at fault or that that I'm not like anybody else. And I think that, like with with Paul, um, I think about how honest Paul was. He he could have asked Luke, "Hey, can we clean up the narrative there in Acts? You're putting in a lot about me that I really don't want people to know about." Didn't say that. Didn't do it. And Peter didn't do that either. And yeah. I wonder if there's something a secret to if you want to be used by God. You've got to be honest. Oh, I think so. It's no accident. You were talking about the the, the word confession. You know, the Greek word is homologeo, ah, and it means to say the same, same thing. thing. Homologeo. Yes. To say the same thing. So God looks down and says, "Hey, Sean, what you just did is a sin. What is confession? It's agreeing with God. It's saying the same thing. It's saying, you know what, God, you're right. Mm. It, that was a sin. And if we would just Understand that confession is simply coming clean. It's just admitting the obvious that God has made obvious, but we would rather deny, rationalize, blame, justify, rather than just say the same thing that God is saying. So God wants us to be fully restored, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, is, I don't want to say it's, it's my right, but maybe it is the... It is the obvious conclusion that God wants. I mean, why would I, why would I want to have a baby but yet leave him at the hospital? Uh, why would I want to purchase a house but never move in and live in a tent in the front right. yard? That's silly. God wants me to, to know full... Why does God want us to know full restoration? Yeah, I mean, the, the whole reason for God the Father sending Jesus the Son to earth was to restore all his, his lost creation, his yeah. lost humanity. I mean, God is so dead set on restoration 
that, I mean, imagine this, Sean. He was so, he is so committed to restoration, he was willing to let his only begotten son die on a cross. Yeah. The perfect son. Yeah. Didn't talk about somebody who did not deserve it. Yeah. He did not deserve the cross, and yet he went to the cross. Why? Just so there would be a, a method of restoration where God could restore the relationship that he he wants and desperately, desperately wants mm. with uh, his creation. Rick, just say, just you saying those things, it's just, I, I don't mm. understand the love of God. I don't understand it. I, I, I cannot comprehend why. I, th- I think I've said this before. I don't know why God would want to spend eternity with me. I'm just not that interesting of a person. But I guess when we look at the cross, we look at Jesus as whoever wants to come to me. He does want to spend time with me. I, I just don't understand that. Yeah, it's hard for us to comprehend it because we're not pure love. Yeah. God is pure love. How can we comprehend something that we are not? Yeah. All we can do is just stand in amazement at the irrational love of God. <laughs> Nothing rational about no. it. Nothing rational. Yeah. Why in the world would he want to restore us after, after we kicked dirt in his face, yeah. sent his son to the cross, and God said it was worth it. Wow. It was, and Jesus said it was worth it. All That's the right. pain, all the suffering... It was worth it to restore my creation. Yeah, this, doesn't the scripture say with joy? He embraced the cross yeah. with joy. Okay, so let's say that, that I've sought forgiveness from the Lord and I've, I've learned something about maybe the causes uh, that caused me to repeat the sin. I, I'm, I'm in the clear now, right? Well, in one way, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so be very grateful. Yeah. Very grateful. Yeah. But don't be prideful. Yeah. You know, the, that passage in 1 Corinthians 10 you know, be careful if you think you stand because you don't want to fall. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, our forgiveness should always lead to gratitude, not pride. Uh, we, we still always need to remember, and we, we say it here at Grace, very often there's nobody here but us sinners saved by grace. Yeah. We have to remember both sides of that coin. Oh, man, do we celebrate the grace of God here. Yeah. We even named our church <laughs> Grace. Grace, yeah. <laughs> and we mean it. I mean, we are, but we're saved. We're yeah. sinners saved by the grace of God. Yeah. Uh, there's just, there's, there's no way we can ever get beyond that point of saying, you know, I'm in the clear. From this point on, I'm entirely sanctified. Yeah. And, well... No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you know, I, I love this phrase they say in CR. They, they say... If and what is CR? If CR is... Cel- thank you. CR is celebrate recovery. And, mm-hmm. and they talk about how if you're not working on your recovery, you're working on your relapse. And, and I think that that's... That, 1 Corinthians 10, 10, 12, 13, it ta- I think that it's pointed to that. But I, it just occurred to me that when we, th- when we speak of of restoration, we're also thinking about recovery. We're recovering the thing that God had intended this whole time. Yeah. And uh, God wow. never designed us with a neutral gear. We're either moving forward or backward. Yeah. We're moving toward recovery or we're moving back backward. into our addiction. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the guiding virtue that will keep you moving forward more than anything else is gratitude. Yeah. Because see, when you're, gra- when you're grateful... You're, being grateful will always lead to humility. 
Hmm. Because you're, you're saying, I'm grateful for what someone else did for me. Well, just that step of gratitude is saying, well, I'm, I'm humbled yeah. that someone would do that for me. I did not deserve it. And so I'm, I'm expressing gratitude. And, you know, the humility and gratitude are the twin virtues that always should accompany and guide a Christian. Amen. Always, always. Amen. Wow. All right. Great message by Walter. Hey, Rick, uh, it's time for our quote of the week. Okay. So hang on a second. Let's wait for the music. Okay. Now, here we go. All right. What's your quote of the week? All right. We're talking about repentance and confession. And those are great disciplines in the Christian life. They're, they're a challenge. Um, it's, it's easy not to confess our yeah. sin. It's a, it takes courage. It takes discipline. And just an anonymous quote that I wrote down years ago about discipline. The pain of discipline is less than the pain of regret. Ooh. So if you're saying, oh, that's going to be painful if I confess my sin. And well... Uh, the pain of discipline, yeah, it's real, but yeah. it's less than the pain of regret yes. down yes. the line. Whoa, that anonymous person, he's so smart. I love his quotes. <laughs> and you know what? It could be a she. That's I true. love her quotes as well. I love her quotes. Good point. <laughs> All right, what else is going on here, Grace? Well, I'm excited because this Sunday, we a lot of planning, preparations gone into this. We start our fall campaign, Daring Faith. Yes. We're going to spend... Six weeks, 40 days. It's going to be a 40-day campaign where we are going to dive in deep to understand not just about having faith, but how can, how can my faith in God move to a new level so it's a daring faith? Mm. It's, it's not a passive faith, but it's an active faith, a very daring faith. And so with uh, the sermons, with our small group curriculum, there is a 40-day daily devotional that goes along with this that's mm-hmm. available for our people. Uh, anybody who wants to be a part of the campaign can can come and join us. So we are going to dive in deep and learn what does the Bible say and what does the Bible teach. In particular, we're going to look at, in the Gospel of Matthew, we're going to look at six different episodes from the life of Jesus and what what Jesus is teaching us about moving our faith from passive faith to daring faith. I'm excited about the campaign, Sean. Hey, now something else is happening this Sunday. Let me pass it back to you because you're really helping coordinate. Yes, yes. Back to Church Sunday. And uh, I am really excited. So every, every year, so churches all across the United States. In fact, some churches have already done Back to Church Sunday. Right. But it's just to celebrate that, that the people that God has delightfully put together. And we, we talked earlier about the love of God. And, and this is what we want to do. We want to celebrate His great love for us. And, and I realized that even two years after the start of the pandemic, we're, people there are still people that are that are stay, they, they stay at home. And they've gotten out of habit. It's, it's so easy to do. Uh, and so that's why people gain weight. It's why people... <laughs> Get into habits they shouldn't, and uh, it's it's uh, this is a, this is the reengagement of the healthy habit, the healthy discipline 
of of worship. And so God deserves our worship. God does we we deserve to be a part of God's family. And so we're just going to celebrate each other and and we want to invite everybody. If you're listening, you live in Roswell, you need to come on back. Come on back, enjoy a hot dog. We got people grilling hot dogs and hamburgers. We're going to have a a bouncy house for the kids. We're going to have uh tailgate games in the uh, on the patio. It's just going to be fun. And uh, just enjoy it. Come yeah. for the meal. Come on out. Come on out. So uh, the, all the food starts at 12. So we have two services, 9, 10, 45. Yeah. And then come back or come and enjoy the food. Yeah. Actually, it's 11, 45. So oh, thank start, you. We start serving at 11, 45. That's right. Thank so, you. All right. Hey, Rick, thanks so much. It's been a delightful time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.